is a well-respected high school football scout, known for his unpopular opinion and brash commentary. The coach, Keith Miller. He's a well-respected national high school football recruiting analyst. Craig, Craig Biggins. Together they bring you the transparent truth. The world's number one source for high school football recruiting news and interviews. In the transparent truth. Tr- 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 <laughs> welcome, welcome. You're now listening to the transparent truth. It's your boy. Out of the studio. Recording live on a Tuesday. I got my partner Greg Biggins on the line. What's going on with those USC Trojans? We're gonna talk about it. How you doing? You know, I'm still I'm still extremely disgruntled and a little bit tired, Keith. I didn't get to bed till after two because I was so ticked off about that Laker loss. That's that where that's disturbing. where my Oh my gosh, that was very frustrating. Up I'm not a, and I'm not a reactionary. It's three games in. I'm not. I you know I get it, but you got to win that one. Hey, listen, you're 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 zero two. Your backs are against the wall. You're up six with fifty one seconds to play, and you lose. Make a shot. Make a free throw. Get a stop. Uh, something. Yeah. They just. That was they literally. I mean, honestly, I get. I get. If I'm a Spurs fan, I'm sitting here saying, "Dude, we're up eight with a minute and a half left in regulation." So either side is going to be disturbed yeah. after that loss. But yeah, I mean, LeBron is you know a goat, one of the best of all time. But he made like four or five. Just I mean, he was the one who left Rudy Gay open for a three. He flew into the lane and threw a wild pass. The play before the three, missed the free throws, missed the last second shot. I mean, there's four or five plays where you're going, come on, man, you're the one guy who actually has a, a high basketball IQ and his poise and his clutch and just didn't get it done. You know, LeBron's not always clutch from the line, GB. Skip Bayless talks about it all the time. And uh, you know what? Skip is keep, right. Keep, keep, you keep, know, keep. And I think Stop. that last play where he shoots a step back jumper, Greg, I think that was his defense mechanism to not wanting to attack the rim and get to the free throw line because he's not comfortable there with the clock running down or, or in the waning seconds of the game. Did you really just quote Skip Bayless? Not that I quoted him, but I think Skip is right when he talks about LeBron kind of shying away from no. the free throw line late in game. <laughs> Skip is look one at of those career. guys. If you look at his career. It's, it's, Skip's got an agenda, and it's, I hate LeBron, I hate Aaron Rodgers, and no matter what happens, he's going to twist it around and say a bunch of silly stuff. I don't take his word to mean Bo Diddley Poo. I can't stand him. He's my hey. least favorite guy of everybody. He is my number one <laughs> on my dislike list. I can't stand the man, but my least favorite guy out of anybody. I like it. Oh. I, I just don't that, like anything about him. Yeah. Hey, well, hey, I'll be you honest. Know, you have, that's your prerogative, and you have that option. Regardless, this is the Transparent Truth, ladies and gentlemen. We're here to bring you high school football <laughs> news, nuggets, and love. So as we get started, GB. The Transparent Truth Recruiting Report. Hit us with recruiting. What you got for us? Yeah, so we had a couple of commitments um, and a couple of decommitments. So the commitment most recent was Josh Calvert, who you got to see on Friday. 
Josh took an official visit to Washington, and he committed yesterday, which was Monday. Uh, so nice job by Josh, and nice job by the Huskies. Interesting here was this was a UCLA-Michigan State battle. Took a visit to Michigan State, loved it. Was hoping to visit UCLA, and for whatever reason, uh, UCLA kind of uh, was lukewarm on him, and basically kind of you know took a pass. So Washington had kind of started to get back in the picture. They offered him a visit. He went out there, and he wasted no time in committing. So they want him as a middle linebacker, and uh, they like him a lot. So you got to kind of scratch your head a little bit, and if he ends up being an all-Pac-12 guy, you have to wonder if UCLA knew what, you know, knew what the heck they were doing, and if he you know doesn't play, you can say, well, maybe they evaluated him correctly. But still, he's got an older brother, Bo Calvert, at... UCLA, that looked like a natural fit, but he is going to the Washington Huskies, who obviously do a great job defensively, and uh, I think he fits in pretty well there. Yeah, there's no question about it. Josh Calvert, a kid with high IQ, the kid who plays downhill, aggressive football, loves to blitz, plays with great quickness, can get tackle to tackle, sideline to sideline if necessary. In time, that is a good fit, especially in their Husky defense, where they like to keep a lot of big physical guys up front to kind of cover the offensive lineup and leave their linebackers roaming free. Josh Calvert going woof, to the dogs. And the other commitment of the week was Jackson Turner from Rancho Verde, who's a two-sport athlete. He's going to try to play both sports at the University of Arizona. Came down to Arizona and Cal Berkeley. Cal was kind of the early leader. And then toward the end of the summer, Kind of, you know, I got the got the sense that he was kind of leaning more toward the Cats. Developed a pretty good relationship with Demetrius Martin, and also just kind of felt more comfortable in Tucson. Uh, didn't dislike Berkeley, but just felt more comfortable in Tucson. Liked the opportunity. They need defensive backs really, really bad. And uh, again, he's a, a pretty talented basketball player as well. Just a really tough, hard-nosed kid on the hardwood. Uh, talking to our basketball guys, and they say, you know, great defensive player, and you know, he'll he'll scrap and and you know, get in your face and and uh, make it kind of tough for you. So, um, safety for football, and he'll walk on to the basketball team. We'll see how long he tries to do, you know, both sports. I think Jackson, the one thing he does need is get bigger and stronger. He's a pretty thin kid, so obviously not being able, you know, to be in a, a year-round weight program if he's playing basketball. Could hurt his development a little bit, so we'll see how long he decides to play both sports at U- at the uh, University of Arizona. It's a perfect fit. Jackson Turner, a two-way guy, two-sport guy, a lot of lift, a lot of athleticism. He's got the agility grade to lead the quarterback, cover the field from a deep high one safety position. Like you said, he needs to add some bumps to be able to come down, sit in a run game, wrap up big ball carries, Nonetheless, Rancho Birdies, Jackson Turner, Demetrius Martin gets his guy and becomes a wildcat. Congratulations. And then we had a couple of decommitments, Keith, uh, both from St. John Bosco and both to USC. The big one was Chris Steele. And we had kind of been discussing this for, for a good amount of time. I'd say even a couple of months, there were some rumblings that Chris might back off that commitment to USC. He's already used up all five of his trips, so he can't really take any more unless he wants to take an unofficial somewhere. But Florida has a lot of buzz right now. Oklahoma has some buzz, and Oregon has some buzz. Those are the three schools. And obviously, uh, USC is still going to recruit him heavily. 
and I would not be shocked if he ends up going back to USC. He's going to make his you know final final decision at the Army All American or formerly the game called the Army All American game in January. I believe it's January fifth. For those who remember, uh, Chris was originally a UCLA commit, backed off, committed to USC, and now he's going to be picking a new school if he does choose a different school from USC. So I think with Chris, he just kind of felt like he wasn't sure about the direction the program was going. Also, maybe felt, I think he felt like he had a, just a better relationship with some other staffs. And, and another reason is, uh, you know, his style of play. You know, he's a very physical corner. And, you know, watching just how the Pac-12 is called, I honestly think the family felt like he might do better, in, you know, in the SEC or, or the Big 12. They let you play a lot more. You can be a little more grabby. You know, they see a guy who he's been compared to, Biggie Marshall, and how many penalties Biggie has been called for. So I think that played a role, too. So um, we'll see if Chris ends up going out of state and playing. I, right now, I kind of think he might be a Florida lean. But again, Bookie Radley factor at Oklahoma, and then Dante Williams factor at Oregon are right there. And then again, also, like I said, USC is still going to push hard for him. So Chris Steele, and also uh, Chris Hudson backed off his commitment. He's just a junior right now, and, you know, those – early, early, early commitments. You, you don't see them always last very long, but uh, he decided to open things up as well. So Chris Steele and Chris Hudson both backing off USC, Keith. I guess the theme right now, GB, is what is going on with the L.A. universities? USC losing two high-profile St. John Bosco commits. UCLA Let's, uh, you know, a brother of the program, Josh Calvert, go ahead and walk to Washington. They kind of back off of him. What is going on with the recruiting down here in Southern California? Are, are we just not seeing eye to eye with the high level talent, the high end talent? What's going on? Are there are the relationship issues? What's going on, GB? What, what, what type of thumb do you have on the post of this thing? You know, we, we've talked about UCLA a ton. You know, we had Brandon Hoffman right. talking about, you know, just that their their evaluation is just completely different. And that's fine, right? Everybody is, this is not a, it's not an exact science, although they're using a ton of science when they do their evaluations. It's a lot of, I think they call it slaylytics, sort of like an analytical thing where they are doing, you know, all these different ways to measure athletes and just measuring, you know, athleticism where they think they fit in and so I think they probably just had other players higher on their board than Josh and mm -hmm. again you know I, I personally don't <laughs> the guys that they like I, I like Josh better but again you know it's a completely subjective thing and you know you kind of have to respect that and then with, with USC um, you know I think right now there is there is a little bit of concern I think and you go on the USC message boards and you know USC has a very passionate fan base, but they're not happy right now. They're kind of wondering, man, is, is this the is this the best we can we can do right now? And so, I don't want to say Clay's on the hot seat, but I know a lot of fans are, are wondering, you know, are we maxed out being you know a solid Pac-12 program? We're, we're USC. We should be able to compete with Alabama, Ohio State, um, you know, every year. And right now, uh, they haven't been so. Like, that's that's one way to look at it. The, the devil's advocate way to look at it is, hey, freshman quarterback, um, you just graduated Sam Darnold. You got, you know, a lot of really, really young players. You got some guys banged up. Devil's advocate, you know, devil's advocate to that is, hey, it's USC. We should be able to recruit 
and not never have a down year. Bama doesn't. Ohio State doesn't, minus that Purdue game, obviously. Why can't we? Clemson hasn't had a down year in a while. Why can't we be like them? So right now, man, I tell you what, USC's got to finish strong, Keith. We talked off air. ASU's going to be a tough game. You know, JT, you know, had the concussion. Matt Fink has broken ribs. They're going to probably have to go with Mr. One Town, One Team, Jack Sears who, uh, you know, I like Jack in high school, so, you know, if he can step up, but they got to play a pretty pretty tough ASU team. It's not going to be a gimme. Yeah. If they lose this one, Keith, yeah. it's going to be really, really ugly on those USC message boards. I'll tell you that right now. Well, hey, Tempe, Arizona, wasn't that the site? Wasn't that the site where Lane Kiffin took a big L and he came back home on the airplane? On the tarmac and got fired. Am I am I correct in that, GB? I believe it might have been. I'm I'm pretty sure you're accurate with that so. one. I I think so. I you know it's I don't know it's 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 a little bothersome. The Pac-12 has a reputation of being a soft conference, and um, it's living up to that reputation as of right now. If you ask me, Greg. In addition to that, you know, Ken. The UCLA's and the USC's, the, the Southern California teams, can they get on track and win consistently versus mid-level Pac-12 squads? I mean, Utah throws for over 300 yards, and um, they kind of blow USC out. UCLA, they've won two in a row. But, of course, they started off 0-in forever. So right now, things are just not looking great. The Lakers took an L. SC and UCLA <laughs> took an L. At least the Dodgers are in the World Series, Greg. Sorry, my man. Your Angels, Dude, they're at home eating breakfast. <laughs> well, shoot, my, my favorite team is the LA Kings absolutely suck right now. So it's, oh, uh, it's yeah. a miserable time. It's a miserable time for the for the non-Doyer LA sports fan. Yeah, hey, it's, getting it's back to recruiting, though, Keith. Getting back yeah. to recruiting, this one kind of surprised me a little bit. Um, Jack Tuttle left Utah after one year and I did a radio show in Utah and they were kind of, you know, they were kind of saying, Oh, you know, the millennials, I don't get it. You know, these spoiled rotten brat kids, they don't want to work for it. You know, and we've said this before though, but Jack is not like that at all. I don't know how well you know know Jack through the process, but Jack is about as down to earth and humble as any quarterback I've covered. You know, he's that, he's that classic late bloomer. Not the guy who was, you know, spoon fed and had all the offers early on. And, you know, he was a guy who made a big jump between his junior and senior years. And as a result, you know, classic late bloomer, committed to Utah early on. That was, you know, his best offer. And then Bama came in and then USC came in and all these schools came in. He wanted to stay loyal to Utah. He wasn't interested, didn't even take a trip. Very, very loyal to Utah. And it looked like it's just a great fit, but came in and did win the starting job, did win the backup job. He's the number three guy and decided to go ahead and and transfer out. So a little bit surprising. I, I thought the timing was a little bit ironic, Keith, and that do you know who visited Utah officially this weekend? I do. Mr. San Bernardino record holder himself, Jay Daniels, the dual threat. <laughs> so, I, I mean, hey. I'm not sure if this was one of those things that was kind of in the works, but, I mean, the timing couldn't have been perfect for Utah in the sense that, hey, 
if this guy's going to leave, let, let's make sure that the news breaks as Jaden Daniels is coming in. So um, I'm not sure where Jack's going to go right now. Again, he has plenty of options. Now, he'll be one of the top three agent quarterbacks out there. And with that new yeah. rule, he doesn't have to sit out a year. You know, he didn't play in the four games. He can go and, and transfer right now. He can take official trips. You know, his older sister uh, graduated from Tennessee. And that was a school that was on Jack pretty heavily. They need some help at quarterback. So I could see UT being an option. And, and he's going to have a lot of options for sure. So that'll be interesting to watch. But, you know, speaking of Utah, um, they have the, a really big recruiting weekend. We already mentioned Jaden Daniels. And uh, right now, I really think it's going to come down to Utah and UCLA. My gut tells me it's, you know, it's going to be Utah. I just, I just think, you know, if he wanted UCLA, he, he would have already committed there. And, you know, Dorian, is, he's hurt now, but I feel like he's kind of starting to come around a little bit. And I don't think Jaden's necessarily afraid of Dorian, but, you know, Dorian, as a freshman star, you're looking at a guy who's going to probably be at least a three-year starter, if not a four-year starter. So I, I think Utah has done a great job recruiting Jaden, and they could be the team to beat. We'll see. I talked to the mom a little bit, Regina, and uh, they're not even close to a decision. I thought they might be ready, but they're going to sit down and talk about it this week. But you know, right now, Utah, Cal is still in the mix. But Utah also tripped in Donovan West, um, big-time offensive lineman. I think they actually have a great chance with him. Donovan also visited um, ASU, Nebraska Boise earlier. State, and Nebraska. Yep. Yeah, those are his four. So I think Utah might be the leader, might be the team to beat. Daniel Fortune, also from Cajon, I think Utah leads for him. Jalen Clopper uh, from Buchanan, I think Utah leads for him. And then also uh, wow. Siaki, Siaki Ika, the big 350-pound D tackle, also took a visit there. So Utah had a chance to impress these kids. Roshus home crowd beat up on USC kind of a, a perfect storm right there Keith you, you, you bring these kids in for sure. a big game it can backfire if you get embarrassed but they definitely did not get embarrassed they played great and I think these kids had a great time on that trips wow you, you can see something cooking over there in Utah there's no question about it especially Jaden Daniels sniffing around Darren Jones already committed Daniel Fortune the Cajon running back probably gonna make that Utah sign what about Donovan West the big offensive tackle who by all accounts gave Kayvon Thibodeau the, the nation's number one prospect fits uh, when they when Alamany played Oaks Christian that'd be a huge pickup and if I'm Jaden Daniels Donovan West is my number one recruit is my left tackle I've already got my big receiver and I got my back coming in they got something cooking over there in Utah you better look out in Salt Lake City it's gonna be going down in a minute GB yeah, I mean, Utah always does a good job recruiting linemen. You know, they, a lot of Polynesians, and they do a great job developing yeah. D linemen and O linemen. They already have Maris Calavo from St. John Bosco committed there, and Donovan West is going to be a guard, and I think so, so will Maris. So, I mean, you might see a couple of Southern Section, you know, athletes starting at guard for a couple of years for the Utes. That'd be sure. kind of fun to see. Okay, so Washington already mentioned Josh Calvert. He took a visit uh, this weekend, but also Trent McDuffie took his official trip to Washington. And he just kind of fits, you know. They have that, you know, OKGR kind of guy. And Trent, if you if you know Trent, I mean, he's a high end academic kid. Um, 
just kind of fits. You know, he's not a, you know, a obnoxious Twitter kid. He's just a real solid kind of in that, you know, Brew McCoy, um, you know, sure. DJ Bryce, just a solid down to earth kid. So I still think Stanford, if he can get past admissions, he hasn't sent in his application yet, but he's close. He loves Oregon. I think those are his top, top three right there. Oregon, Washington, and um, Stanford. Stanford. So, yeah. I, again, Stanford, he's got to he's got to get cleared. But if he does, I think I think they got a chance. But Washington definitely impressed the heck out of him. Washington also had some of their uh, they're really loaded in the 2020 class in the state of Washington. Sam Adams, Aiden Hector, uh, they all visited. A couple other guys they actually offered Aiden Hector, who's a DB corner safety from Eastside Catholic. I, I like that kid a lot. He's, he's a football player. Uh, UCLA tripped in the Markham twins, Kiwan and Keon. Obviously, uh, ASU is heavily involved. Antonio Pierce is their lead recruiter, and family loves AP. He was their high school coach for a couple years, so there's that connection. But they told me they loved it at UCLA as well. Said, uh, you know, one thing, you know, we can kind of rag a little bit about UCLA and how hard they're recruiting kids. And but one thing I've heard so many kids say, Keith, is that. Chip Kelly has always been known for this. Their strength, strength and conditioning plan and their nutrition plan um, just blows people away how incredible um, it is. And I've talked to kids who visited schools in the South, and they said, hey, UCLA's was better just in terms of how they lift, um, how they diet, how they feed you. It's all just scientific. So the twins were kind of blown away by that. And they like the idea that it's close to home. Mom likes the school. It's close to home. So... It will come down to ASU and UCLA in the end. Also, Javin Wright visited Keith, the son of the great Toby Wright, L.A. Ram, Nebraska Cornhusker. Uh, he like was there it. on his official visit. Obviously, Nebraska probably is the team to beat there. He's a legacy. And uh, mentioned his dad, Toby. So um, those are the, the big official visitors for UCLA. Um, Washington State, Keith, with a big win over Oregon on game day. And uh, G. Scott and D.J. Rogers, a couple studs from Washington in that loaded, mentioned 2020 class. So they went to go watch Oregon and Washington State. But, you know, how about those Cougs, man? They were up 27 to nothing at halftime, Oregon rally. But the Cougs, another team that you got to watch out for. I mean, Utah and Washington State can make an argument. Might be the two best teams in the conference. Oregon and the Huskies are right there as well. But balance of power is definitely shifted to the northwest slash utah right now hey uh no question washington state with a great they got a really good football team they're balanced offensively defense mm-hmm. they're quick they're hard-hitting they make plays on the football they don't panic with the ball in the air they're doing a great job coaching mike Leake and his staff for the second year in a row very very impressed uh on both sides of the ball gb it's not just offense at wazoo and a mike leach uh football team defensively they are very very productive, very, very physical, and they make plays. It's, it's amazing how well they're doing, because remember, that, that was a program in disarray over the summer, Keith. Remember, Leach supposedly was offered and accepted the job at Tennessee, and there's that whole fiasco with, you know, right. the, I don't know who it was, the, and if it was the fans or whatever, but they backed off that. I've always thought Mike Leach was a heck of a coach, going back, you know, even before Texas Tech, so I'm not sure why Tennessee fans didn't want him, but I thought he would have done a great job. They lost two or three assistant coaches, and it looked like a program in disarray. And fast forward, now they're hosting game day 
and they control their own destiny to, you know, shoot, grow the Rose Bowl. So nice job by the Cougs. Um, staying with the Northwest Northwest theme, Jason Rodriguez, the big USC O-line commit. He's taking his official trips. He was at Oregon State this past weekend, Keith, along with Siali Liku, a uh, big-time NorCal two-way lineman, and then Achille Arnold also officially visited. Uh, so Oregon State tripped in a couple of players who are very talented. Unfortunately, they got beat up a little bit by the Cal Bears, but all three kids still said they had a really, really good time on their trip. So, um, you know, you want to win. You want to look like you're showing progress, but uh, Oregon State still did a good job with, with Jason Rodriguez. He's already visited UCLA and Colorado. May also visit Utah, but he'll be a tough flip from USC. Uh, told me last night that he still feels as good as ever about his commitment. Um, I think USC will be interesting to see, you know, a little bit of talk about Coach Callaway, the current O-line coach. You know, will he come back next year? Tim Drevno, who's a pretty highly talented O-line coach, is the current running back coach. So if Callaway wanted to step down or, or they wanted to make a change, they got a guy in-house, Tim Drevno, that uh, could be readily available. And I again, whatever they do, I think Jason will, will still be a pretty tough flip for anyone. And the schools are still trying. The UCLA is trying hard. Colorado is trying hard. And obviously Oregon State and Utah are trying pretty hard as well. And then uh, last but not least, Clemson had a big game. And St. John Bosco 2020 standouts, DJ Wooey, Unalale, and Court Williams were, were both supposed to make that trip. Unfortunately, Keith, they got to the airport too late. The gate was closed. They couldn't get on the plane. LAX is a nightmare late on a Friday night. They missed the they, they missed it by about five minutes. Is what is what D- Big Dave told me. So I was like, Dave, you you didn't just get there. And they said, Okay, here here you go, sir. You can get back on the plane. He goes, No, there was no one at the gate to even open up the door for them. The plane was still there, but the gate was closed. And he was like, There was nothing we could do. So uh, I I love DJ. Um, uh, Clemson, a fit for DJ. Um, he's already been there once and uh, and loved it. He wanted to bring his dad out there, and so his dad was there for the first time um, or was going to go there for the first time to see it. Oregon is another school that DJ loves, and DJ's dad, Big Dave, loves Oregon as well, but those are his top two. So not going to Clemson, that that was big. You know, that, that one hurts a little bit. Um, I joked with Terry because Terry was you know, was going to be kind of going out there and chaperoning. I go, hey, did, did Oregon coaches pay you to drive slow to miss that flight? So he kind of laughed and said they're going to try to get back there and try to get back in November for the Duke game. Yeah. But Clemson, Oregon for DJ, Court Williams, really good linebacker slash safety. Uh, you know, he said Clemson's kind of showing a little bit of interest, but, you know, he kind of wanted to go see it firsthand. So maybe in November, big DJ and Court Williams can make it out to uh, Clemson and, and see what they have to offer. Yeah, there's no that's it, question. Keith, that's it for me. DJ. That's it for recruiting notes. All right, all right, big D. What do you got? You got the plane thoughts, TJ. Yeah, yeah I do. I, I do got. I, I do have a little bit of thought. I think you know Oregon would be a great fit for DJ. Um, I think they run his style of offense. They have you know playmakers coming in. In last year's class, they they have men. This year's class, they got them coming in. That Cali Palak is really elite. And then the 2020 class, you know they're going to keep stacking up on playmakers. But Clemson, a special place. They already got a special quarterback there who's going to be there for at least three years and probably no more than three years. So DJ coming in, 
he could be on the field if things work out the right way as a true sophomore or maybe as a redshirt freshman. Uh, Clemson, South Carolina, they have elite, elite playmakers on the outside. My guy, T. Higgins, Justin Ross, uh, Frank Ladson coming in from, from, from Dade County in the 2019 class. How about Joe Nagata, my number one wide receiver in America from Folsom, California. So, uh, you know, that Clemson is that's a I can see why it can be so attractive to DJ uh, you know outside of the football aspect there's a lot of things DJ believes in that I think align with what the Clemson Tigers and their coaching staff and their players believe in so we'll see how that shakes out but if you're Oregon Greg if you're Oregon if DJ DJ is a must especially if Justin Herbert stays one more year and becomes the number one overall DJ is a must you cannot lose that guy no, I mean, DJ is a program changer. And Justin Herbert has a chance to be, you know, a top 10 pick right now. If he decides to come back, that'd become, you know, kind of like what Andrew Luck did. He was going to be a top 10 pick, decided to come back for another year. But if, if, they, sure. if they're able to get DJ at Oregon with all the talent they're recruiting, that is a national championship team. Because Crystal Ball gets it. He understands we got we to gotta get linemen if we want to compete nationally. You can, you can win the Pac-12 without having, you know, a couple of great, um, you know, O-line and D-line. But you can't beat the other team. You can't beat Notre Dame. You can't beat the Ohio State of the world. You can't beat the Bamas, the Auburns. You can't beat those teams in no. the South. You can't beat Texas because those guys just recruit linemen like no other. They have more of them, but Cristobal gets that. If they added a guy like DJ, watch out. Watch out. But like you alluded to, he, DJ loves Clemson. You know, he's a very devout kid, a very spiritual kid, a very solid Christian kid, and, and that's what he found at Clemson. He, he loved that aspect of it as well. So um, it, it's going to be a really, really tough decision for him. And then there's also the, the baseball equation. You know, people are saying kid with a 95-mile-hour fastball could be a top, you know, 15, top 20 pick in the draft. Is he, you get guaranteed money in baseball. You don't get guaranteed jack squat in football unless, you know, your signing bonus. So... DJ's a big kid, man. When he plays quarterback in the NFL or college, he's gonna take a lot of shots. No one's gonna be hitting him when he's playing baseball. Well, with a baseball bat, but not actually going and tackling the guy. So there's that True. as well. Guaranteed money in baseball versus you know his first love is football. So a lot of big choices for for big DJ. Yeah, no question about it. GB, thank you so much for all your recruiting nuggets, my man. But right now, it's time for our sleeper of the week. Time for our sit and sleep sleeper of the week. Really want to thank our guy Larry Miller. He's allowing us to showcase unknown prospects that need to be brought to the spotlight. Larry is all about family and community, and his support is helping to change the lives of young players across the country. Each week, young men are getting scholarship offers after being featured on this show. So thank you, Larry. When we have business and a man that is really interested in the community, we need to show our support right back at him. Sit and Sleep is the only place that offers advanced sleep technology. Greg? Body diagnostics. That's five-star stuff. This is high-quality stuff. Lay down on a mattress, and within seconds, thousands of sensors can help you find the absolute right mattress for you. Wow, within seconds? Seconds. Man, that's awesome. Sit and Sleep. They'll beat anyone's advertised price or your mattress is free. Appreciate you, Larry Miller. Thank you, Larry. All right, our sleeper of the week this week. Got a chance to go visit Oaks Christian Calabasas. Saw a lot of guys that I like GB. But one good one guy, one young guy, 2020, stood out for me. I believe he's 2020. Is he 2019, I GB? He's I think he's 2019. Yeah, that's why I wanted to give him 2019. 12. He might be. I think he's 2019. You're right. 
How about Jackson Lenthal, 6'2", 215, 225, defensive end out of Oaks Christian. Lenthal is a quick, he's a active, he's very instinctual, and is a very aggressive defensive end, kind of hybrid defensive end linebacker. But cut out of that kind of Cole Aubrey mode, a guy who plays with great smarts, a guy who's quick off the football, and a guy who can finish at the quarterback. Really liked his, his, his ability to penetrate, get in the backfield, and finish plays. Jackson Lenthal, DN, outside linebacker type, out of Oaks Christian, 2019 class, I believe. This week's Transparent Truth Sleeper of the Week. GB, any thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I like it. You know, I saw him at the Honor Bowl, and I was sitting next to Jason Farrell, Bryce's dad, and he, was, and he kept saying, dude, Jack Lenthal, that's the guy you need to get on. He's the guy, he's kind of, the, he didn't use the word heart and soul, but he kind of made it like, this is the guy who, who we love. He's the guy who plays harder than anyone else in that defense. He just goes, goes, goes. He's got a, a nonstop motor that's contagious. And when you watch him play, like the game I saw, he was off that edge, making plays, hollering the sideline, running down plays from behind. Obviously, you, you, I watched the game on, on TV. You were there live. Uh, high motor kid, a little bit of a tweener, right? Is he going to be a full-time, you know, outside backer, defensive sure. end? Where's his body going to be in three years from now? But just there's always a spot for a guy like a Cole Aubrey, like a Jack Lenthal, who just plays so dang hard and, and make plays and just love football. And uh, that's why um, I'm excited about him. And I think he's, yeah, definitely very deserving of being a sleeper of the week. No question about it. Jackson Lenthal, congratulations. Congratulations to Oaks Christian Lions on a hard fall win. We'll talk about that kind of as we move on here. GB, it's time to get to our top performers, my man. We are talking top performers. I want to get a started right here in SoCal, as we always do. Quarterback Ryan Halinski, 358 yards and four touchdowns. Throwing one touchdown rushing. He led his team to a big W. Wide receiver Logan Loya, 11 catches, 258 yards and two touchdowns. Quarterback Nick Hernandez out of Monrovia, Monrovia, 423 yards and three touchdowns. Notre Dame, Sherman Oaks, running back Christian Grubb versus an Alamany squad. He ran for 172 yards with 17 carries, and they got a 54-21 win. Grubbs with six touchdowns, five rushing, and one receiving big-time game. Quarterback Ryan Stevens out of Chaminade, 15 for 20, 306 yards and four touchdowns. Why, excuse me, athlete Nehemiah Thompson. This guy's had a huge senior year from San Fernando. Six carries, 147 yards, and a score. He also had 13 tackles on defense, including five of them for loss. Quarterback Ryan Zanelli out of La Habra, 352 yards, five touchdowns thrown, one touchdown rushing. Running back Zach Charbonnet, the Pro Football Hall of Fame Academy, All-American, 196 yards, three touchdowns, and a game-saving interception. Last one, running back Ja'Kai Torres out of St. Bernard's. Kim Carey, 170 yards and four touchdowns versus one of my former squads that I used to coach, Verbum Day of Los Angeles. Do you think that? GB? I am here. I am here. Did you mention, did you, I know, I heard you mention Ryan Helensky. Did you mention Logan Loya as well, his big game? Yes, I did. How about Paul Peferi from Villa Park? He was nearly oh, perfect, 17, 17 to 20. Uh, for 281 and five touchdowns. I think it's always kind of a cool thing, Keith, when a quarterback has more touchdowns and incomplete passes. That's kind of hard to do. Zion Alafazio was one of his main targets. Zion is at Villa Park. He's been around a little bit. 
He had three touchdowns total, one receiving, two rushing, and he's playing some big-time safety as well. Well, Doug Brumfield in that loss. 29 of 46 for 331 yards and three touchdowns. They lost to Chaminade. You mentioned Ryan Stevens already, who loves hockey. Uh, how about up north real quick, Keith? I don't know if they were on your list or not, but Jay Butterfield had a heck of a game. 321 yards and three touchdowns for me. Uh, a potential top 50 player nationally in that 2020 quarterback, uh, 2020 class, a top, top quarterback. But how about this game? Sione Vaki, Keith, the safety for Liberty High School. He's got some offers from schools like USC, Utah, Washington State, Tennessee. Those are some pretty big-time schools. How's this for a game for, for Sione? So he had two interceptions, two touchdowns receiving, forced a fumble on the one-yard line, and one of his touchdowns, excuse me, one of his interceptions was with 11 seconds left to seal the game. Two touchdowns, two picks, and a fumble on the one-yard line. That is very, very tough to do. Hey, San Clemente with the big upset over Mission Viejo. How about Drayton Joseph, Keith? This guy played in the JV game on Thursday. This guy is going wow. to play golf. He's going to he's going to University of San Diego on a golf scholarship. Multi-sport starter. They're starting yeah, multi-sport golf and football. Great combo. <laughs> Brendan Costello gets knocked out. A little bit late hit out of bounds. One of I think eight personal fouls that Mitch Viejo had in that game, Keith. Wow. Drayton Joseph comes off the bench. Go 17 of 28 for 263 and two touchdowns in their big win over Mission Viejo. Dude, San Clemente, one town, one team won without their starting quarterback, Drayton Joseph. Looking like Rudy, Cinderella story off that bench. Last one for me, no, Keith, I think. Last yeah. one is Moore Park. Their starting quarterback, Blake Sturgill, was out. So in steps Stephen McDaniel. He was 17-25 for 311 yards and four touchdowns. And you know, if he's throwing for four touchdowns, that Drake London, the USC commit, is going to probably have a big game. And he did. Seven catches for 168 yards, and he had two touchdowns as well for Moore Park. And that is it for me. Take it home, Keith. Man, this backup quarterback coming in signing. You don't always have to leave your backup. Your opportunity will present itself at some point in time. Stay ready. You won't have to get ready. You get in there and shine. Let's take it to NorCal. Trey Moronic, Mary River, 23 carries, 220 yards, two touchdowns. He had an interception and he forced a fumble. Busy cat. Caden Bennett. He's on there every week. The quarterback got a full sum, 272 yards and four touchdowns in the first half. That's all he got the chance to play. They blew out Grant High School, who was a Sacramento Power, who used to be a Sacramento Power. Levi Markey out of Del Campo, 218 yards on 33 carries and four rushing touchdowns. Taking to San Diego really fast. 20 pounds running back, Matthew Bingham. He tied a section record, Greg. Eight touchdowns. And he scored a two-point conversion. He had 50 total points on the night, tying another section mark. He had 23 carries. For 306 yards. Ramona running back Sean McDonald, 28 carries, 398 yards, and four touchdowns in a 44 41 win over Rancho Buena Vista. Junior tailback Keegan Baker, Keegan Baker out of, he broke the Valhalla rushing record with 363 yards and three touchdowns on 19 carries. Helix Jr., Eli Noya, 25 carries, 254 yards, and three touchdowns as he's averaging 10 yards a crank. 
University City's Casey Grandforth. He, he snagged 13 balls for 276 yards and two tubs. And that does it for our California of the week. GB, what can we say about the new South Coast champion? One town, one team. Our guy, Jaime Ortiz. And the San Clemente Tritons. I want to get to some game recaps, GB. Talk to me. We'll start right there then. Mission Viejo, San Clemente. A little bit of a rough week for Coach Key. I think this might be the first week all year that you went under 500. My guy. Yeah. Yeah. San Clemente with a monumental upset. And it's even more monumental when you consider that their Oklahoma State quarterback commit, Brendan Costello, didn't even play past the first quarter. A little bit of a chippy game, Keith. I mentioned it. Mission Viejo was called for eight personal fouls. Knocked out Costello. Um, little helmet-to-helmet hit out of bounds. And in steps. The greatness of Drayton Joseph. Leading this team. You know, Mission Viejo was able to score a touchdown with her minutes to go. Joey Yell hit a Kelly Arnold. There's three minutes to go. San Clemente on the extra point. San Clemente jumps offside. Mission elects to go for two. Keith, you went for two and the win. And they get stuffed at the goal line. So San Clemente had the ball. One last chance. Mission Bay going for the three now. They want one last crack at it. And Drayton Joseph hits a 54-yard bomb from the goal line to seal that deal. You mentioned wow. the first championship since 1999 for the Tritons. One town, one team. Great job by the fighting Jaime Ortiz. Playing hurt, playing injured, but playing inspired football. Michigan Viejo, Keith, now, because they had those four forfeit losses, they are now four and five, Keith. And they need to win this week or else they won't make the playoffs. Wow. You have to finish that's, over that's, 500 or at 500 to make the playoffs. So if they don't win this week, right. they went from being the probable number four seed to maybe missing the playoffs altogether. Crazy turn of events for the Diablos. I mean, let's talk about it. You know, let's talk about if they win this week, right? If they win this week, they're still looking at what? Maybe a, a 12 seed, you know, a 11 seed. You know, you're, they're going to end up playing a four seed or a five seed going into the tournament, GB. Uh, and the five seed could look like somebody like Jay Sarah. Um, maybe not Jay Sarah, or maybe so. But, you know, that's going to be an extremely tough matchup in the first round for Mission VAL. So that loss really, really hurts. But let me give credit where credit is due. Jaime Ortiz, when I got a chance to go visit those San Clemente Tritons out in the springtime, one thing stood out for me was they were a program. It was not built and based on one player. It was not built based on, you know, a handful of players. It was a team um, who worked together, who competed hard against each other, who they were just trying to stack brick on good days on top of the good days, bricks on top of bricks. And they are a program that has been a championship-level program for a really long time. And I think that program medal really came out showed once their big-time quarterback goes down, the next guy steps in, steps up, plugs and plays, and finishes with a flurry. Congratulations to the Tritons on their league title. Coach Ortiz, fantastic job. And, uh, 
man, it, that, that just sounds like an unbelievable Friday night. I know the fans up there were going absolutely bonkers. So great job, San Clemente. Yeah, Chad, Chad needs to needs to get that thing going in the right direction. They, they were rolling. They had some big wins over some high-level competition. They had a great nominee schedule. It looked like they were just going to roll to a 10-0 uh, record. And like I said, just lack of lack of discipline in that game. Again, talking to people, it just was just atrocious how many penalties and a lot of them just, you know, just blatant late hits and, and targeting and whatnot. So, you know, Chris King, who's the Bosco DC and is a really, really smart guy off the field too, other than the other than the fact he's a Celtics fan, which I'm not a fan of that. But um, he's correctly predicted the last couple of years, all 16 teams and all eight first round matchups, Keith. And he has Long Beach Pauly playing Mission Viejo right now. So okay, that would be that would be uh, modern day Vista Marietta and then Poly Mission. Those those two teams are next to each other. So you figure modern day will probably be the the two seed or the three seed. Um, Vista right. Marietta would be what the thirteenth seed. So if Poly and Mission are uh, playing, four, the fourteenth seed. Fourteenth seed. Yeah, yeah. Three, yeah. three and fourteen. So, so it, and then Poly right, and so Mission. Yeah. So essentially. Uh, Polly would be the five seed, and Mission would be the twelve seed. That's what it sounds like, or yeah. six or eleven. That's what it sounds like. Or That's what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah, right. and then obviously we'll have a big playoff. Yeah, no, that's a really good matchup. Polly and Mission is a good matchup. Yep. Yeah, it is. Polly, uh, Polly yeah, was able is. to, you know, kind of get right as they do every year playing in the Moore League. You know, able to beat up on teams <laughs> and get healthy and, and get get going, and you know, they, uh, they're. Uh, they're not going to be an easy out at all. They can play defense. They got the they got the twins. They got a, a bunch of guys. Elijah Dolphin up front. So we'll, we'll deal with that next week. Um, another bit of an upset. Um, I don't know if it's an upset, but maybe the score was. But uh, Notre Dame blew out Alamany fifty-four to twenty-one. Keith, yeah. making Christian Grubb already with the one hundred and seventy-two yards and the six touchdowns. Uh, Cooper Meek, who's a really good-looking sophomore quarterback. Uh, he actually rushed more than he threw. Uh, he rushed seven times for 107 yards in that game. So Notre Dame was able to just dominate the ball on the ground, uh, held the great Miller Moss and checked a couple interceptions on the talented sophomore. And Notre Dame is looking like they're going to be the number two seed out of that tough mission league. Alamany has to play Bishop Amont this week. So lost two in a row, lost to Sarah last week, lost to Notre Dame. They're going to obviously be a decided underdog against Bishop Vermont this week. So they could finish uh, 0-3. Still will make the playoffs, I believe, because they're going to be 6-4 and overall. Wow. See, did Chris King have Alamany in this playoffs? Let me see what, real quick. I don't know. Um, that doesn't sound right to me. That well, you know what? There, I don't think Alamany... Alamany is not D1. I believe Alamany's D2, right? Okay. So they wouldn't even be in this okay. little bracket that Chris said. Regardless, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. regardless, Alamany needs to, to to get stuff turned around. And, and Notre Dame, wait a yeah. minute. Yeah, Notre Dame, nice job finishing. I believe Notre Dame is playing Chaminade this week. So it's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be Christian Grubb against, you know, Blake Gonzalados and that rugged defense at Chaminade who's coming off a, a big win for them over Sarah. Blew out Sarah Key. Yeah. Blew them out. So nice what job is going by the on Kevin Reed. I don't know, dude. They, the week before they beat Alamany, we're like, okay, you know, Sarah, you know, they kind of tease you, Keith. They've always done this. They kind of tease you. 
they'll win a game yeah, and kind of get your true. get your thinking like get, kind of get you to believe and then they go and lay an egg the next week it's just kind of tough this is true yeah they heard they heard my picks i can tell you that but let's move <laughs> along what else we got we got we got two games left keith um we got oaks christian calabasas and j sarah modern day uh oaks calabasas a little bit low scoring 21 to 13 and I'll tell you what, you know, with Oaks Christian, we talked about Kayvon and, and Charbonnet and, and Josh Calvert. But you know what impressed me, Keith, about Oaks Christian was they got a lot of, I don't want to call them like secondary players. I guess in basketball, you say they have a good glue guy. They have a, I guess you'd say they have a good bench if it was basketball. Um, yeah. They run around and they got guys that can run and hit in the front seven and then they're mm-hmm. back. They're secondary was really strong they they did a nice job holding that high-powered calabasas offense in check obviously those guys made plays jermaine burton had the late touchdown johnny wilson had a great catch on that last drive and and micah Pittman made a lot of plays the, the spectacular punt return i know i know you were there live keith i looked at it was even probably better when you saw the replay how many guys he made miss but holding calabasas just 13 points is extremely tough to do yeah. They're able to pressure Casey up front with basically a four-man rush. They covered yeah. them well. I was impressed with Calabasas too, Keith, because going, I thought the big edge for Oaks Christian was going to be, you know, running the football. Obviously, it sounds funny saying they kind of held Charbonnet down. They didn't hold him down. He had a, almost 20 yards, but I felt like for the most part, they kind of controlled that Oaks offense. Just 21 points. Um able to get them off the field. They didn't really allow any big plays. So Calabasas in a losing cause, Chris Claymore, that was the most physical and the, and the best. I've seen Calabasas play defensively in a couple of years. So kind of walked away, Keith, thinking both these teams are legit. Oaks solidified the, the four seed, which is going to set up an awesome showdown against Bosco if they both get that far. And Calabasas, for me, in D2, they should move up. You know, I think they're the three seed right now in D2, but you you lose to Oaks in a one-possession game, you shouldn't drop at all. They should either stay the same as the three seed or even move up. So I walk away feeling like both these teams are, are pretty good and can make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, no, it, it was a good game. It was a festive atmosphere. It was, it was it had some historical reference, GB. You know, two African-American coaches in that part of San Fernando Valley. It doesn't often happen facing each other in kind of a big time matchup, but it did. Coach Charlie Collins, Coach Chris Claiborne leading their two squads. Played very good, competitive, high character football. There wasn't a bunch of cheap shots. There wasn't a bunch of late hits. It was good, clean ball. Calabas is a much improved defense from years past. I can vouch for it. Those guys were fitting in gaps. Those guys played discipline, used their hands to get all blocks. Uh, they shot gaps to, you know, uh, get vertical penetration in the backfield. They did an excellent job tackling, covering. They did a nice job defensively. On the flip side of that, Calabasas, excuse me, Jack, Oaks Christian, Zach Charbonnet, he's a man amongst boys right now, running the peel at 6'2", 220, in a physical frame. Uh, he's got some of the quickest feet and, a, and the best jump cut that I've seen from a high school player this year, other than maybe Trey Sanders over there at IMG. Uh, Bryce Farrell, Farrell, still an electric football player with great speed. Got behind the defense a couple times, just couldn't really connect like they wanted to. Quarterback Josh Calvert 
and then the defense at Oaks Christian. You got to kind of applaud those guys, man. I mean, like I said, they got pressure with four, uh, you know, Lenthal and, and Thibodeau, and they had a guy inside, was it Frankly or 81? Yeah, Ryan Frank. last name. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, Fra- Frank. He's going to Oregon. He's an Oregon State commit, so he's, he's a dude. Yeah. Yeah, he was. he's about 6'4". He's long. Quick, lean, really, really lean. But, you know, he's a guy, he's a developmental guy for the future for Oregon State. Uh, but they were active and they were quick up front. That was the thing. Well, quarterback dropped back. As soon as he hit his back foot, man, he was getting tattooed, right? He was in that <laughs> or, or, or somebody was right in his face. Quarterback Jake Casey, he his medal, though. He got out the pocket a couple of dimes, ran for a couple of good first downs, broke up a fake punt down the sideline and really showed some wheels. Uh, Calabasas, like you said, Greg, I don't think they should move down. They're a very good football team. They are definitely something to be reckoned with come playoff time in that division. We got one game left, Keith, and it was a game that you went out on a limb, as you as you love to do. You took Jay Sarah over the modern-day Monarchs by a 35-34 to 34 game. Keith, this was 42-7. to oh, seven. Oh, you got the, oh, you got the score this time, bro. You got the score this time, Greg, huh? Oh, you got that this time, huh? What do you mean? Uh, you want me to read off the I can read off the Oh, man, I don't have the scores in front of me. You got the score this time, huh? Okay. I write the scores down you. for every game. I always say the scores. Yeah, I know. You, just you want me to bring them scores? up on the next show? But that's, no, but that's okay, though, Greg. Like you said, I had them 35 34. Jay Sarah, they did not get it done. I'll bring up the scores more often. I'll I'll bring up the scores more often, Keith. If you want me to bring up the scores, that that was. I was trying to give you some some credit. Go ahead. What? Go ahead. It was a. You're you're like. like Go ahead. What we got? You're sad, right? You're disappointed. (laughs) It was (laughs) forty-two to seven, Keith. It was forty-two to seven, and forty-two thirty-four. It it didn't feel like. (laughs) It didn't feel like it was even that close. Modern Day had three touchdowns called back. And wow, I looked at the stats. They 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 have Jay Sarah with a hundred and sixty total yards. I didn't see that. I thought it was going to be like maybe less than a hundred. They had you know fifty five wow. yards rushing. Chris Chris Street eleven carries, seventeen yards. They had Caden Bell with a hundred and six yards passing. I would have honestly that must have been like on a late drive because for the longest time, I can't remember him putting together. You know, a couple passes in a row. He finished 10 for 26, three interceptions. Darian Green-Warren got two of them. Elias Ricks got another one that's five for him. Just a playmaker. Uh, Bryce Young, we can say it now. I didn't want to say it before last week, but Bryce Young didn't even practice all week. He had a really, really bad ankle. And I thought, like, they were right for an upset. Young still threw for over 300 yards, three touchdowns, had a couple interceptions. Uh, couldn't run like he can still extended a couple plays but you could tell he was definitely hobbled but defensively that was modern day's best effort by far Jacoby Harper Sean Dollars both made big plays um Brew McCoy um was a man among boys as he always is he had a 55 yard touchdown call back on a brutal call that they called he was juggling and it, and it wasn't um I, I'd say that the takeaway from that game is even in a in a winning effort, Marty looked really good. Um, Bryce played hobbled, still played well. But the big thing, Keith, is Marty is hurting physically. Miles Moreau, I sent you the video. That was ugly. Yeah. 
um, broke the, you know, the ankle, the fib, the tib. It's all jacked up. He's out for a long time. William Nemo already playing. He's got a torn meniscus, I believe. He's out for four weeks. He might miss most of the playoff. They're kind of having to scramble around, and you know they're already playing without big Luke Felix on the offensive line. So now they have, you know, try to find move Ty Marks to left tackle. He's already playing right tackle. He's a natural guard. So it, it's modern day looking at them moving forward. I think they're going to be fine for a while, but. I'm already looking ahead to that semifinal matchup with Centennial. It's going to be tough blocking that Centennial D line with a, a, a hurt, talented, but young and banged up offensive line. I digress. I got ahead of myself. But getting back to this game, Keith, it was it was really a dominant effort by a modern day. They there offensively, never got in sync. They, they dropped some passes, threw some interceptions. They couldn't run the ball. Modern day, really, really impressed. That front was Keanware Hudson, Bennett, Cipollano. They all were really gr- really good against the run. Neely, Dubar, you know, the back end, they covered those receivers. Not much separation for McLean, for Luckett, for Shimmy. Um, it was just a dominant defensive effort all around. Wow, that, that, that's interesting because, you know, modern day's defense, especially their defensive front, really got taken advantage of by Bosco in the previous week, which leads me to believe, Greg, that that wasn't the modern-day team that we know um, and and that has that standard of excellence that showed up defensively in the front seven versus St. John Bosco. And on, on couple with that, St. John Bosco's offensive line was really, really inspired and motivated to come out and kick some tail, and they did. Modern-day bounces back by all accounts, and really uh, off of your word, as people you spoke to, Jay Sarah was supposed to have the best offensive line in the Trinity League, and they get thrashed by modern day's defensive front six, front seven, led by Ware Hudson and Neely and those guys, so congratulations to the Monarchs, a big win, Brew McCoy shows out, Bryce Young shows his medal and his guts fighting through injury, uh, big prayers out to uh, Miles Morale, uh, hopefully he gets well and gets better as soon as possible. I know it's a pretty devastating injury, and I've spoken to him, but he has his head up, he's positive. So hopefully everything uh, it goes well in terms of surgery and he moves forward. But like you said, looking forward, that semifinal against Centennial, no miles. Maybe Mike Martinez moves to a left tackle, GB. I don't know. If I'm the coach, I consider that. What about you? <laughs> I mean, I've been saying I love Mike as an NFL left tackle, but I, I'd probably I, keep him at tight end. He played well, though, Keith. Mike, Mike actually, he played yeah. well at tight end. And like we talked about it before, Sean Dollars had six catches playing in the slot. I love that move because I've got to mention this. Cody Epps got hurt also in warm-ups. So, Modern right. A has a, a mash unit. Yeah, I, I, this is a friendly fire. Him, him and another guy collided, and I, I think he might be hurt and out for a little bit. So, Cam Garner stepped up. Uh, Josiah Zamora stepped up. Big Mike stepped up. Big Brew was always good. So, but uh, and dollars in the Mike, slot. Big big dollars in the slot made plays. Um, Jacoby ran yeah. it hard. He had a fifty sixty yard touchdown called back. But um, Big Mike as a left tackle at the high school, you know, he is a very good blocker. So I would not be opposed to that. But I just think. Um, you know, modern day will find a way to probably scratch and claw and, and next man up. But, man, 
Corey Foreman, Malik Skurlock, Drake Jackson, Keith. Those guys are tough to block. There's no doubt about it. We'll, we'll be looking forward to that matchup if we ever get there. That kind of does it for this episode of Transparent Truth. Thank you for joining us. Please follow us on our social medias. We're out there on all the platforms. Without further ado, let's bring this baby to a close. There's a new sheriff in town. His name is Reggie Hammond. Y'all be cool.